This is According to Callus, and I'm back. Yes, I know it has been a long slog. The last eight, almost nine weeks has been quite the challenge. But as they say, when you run silent, you're running deep. So I had lots of things going on, mostly work-related, a couple of personal things in there, and my word, what has all changed in the last two months? I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Somebody else wants to help me. Let me try that right again. So, I apologize, phone call interruption. So, I had eight weeks of, let's call it extra work activities, which necessitated my break. Then last week, I was contemplating, how do I do justice? I've been gone for so long, but I'm at the Republican State Convention for Texas, right? We're the largest convention, political convention, that happens in this country, and I happen to find myself on the platform committee. Well, there was no happen there. There was a lot of hard work, effort that was involved. And in my hands are the reports from permanent rules, platform resolutions, and the legislative priority committees. Now, I've been thinking, I've been gone quite some time. How do I come back and how do I explain exactly what I've been doing? Well, it's work. And when work pays your bills, work has to come first. And I didn't find that I could do a good enough job with the traveling with work as well as other responsibilities that I could give an episode that anybody would want to listen to. So I bit the bullet and took a break. That break went on for two months. That was really, really long. And I got to say, I missed it. I missed what I do. And I'm hoping some of y'all missed me. I, I tapped out. I got about 5,400 downloads. And uh, that's just people who listen that download the episode. From what I gather, there's a factor of 5 to 10 more per person that actually listen but never actually download. Which, if that's the case, that's exciting. But here's the thing, guys. I need you to subscribe. I need you to like. I need you to share. I need you to make comments. I need to know you're out there. I need to know that this is making a difference. And in my time off, I've thought, well, how do I best bring forward the message? Okay. I said early on I was a Ron Paul guy, right? Um, Ron Paul got me re-involved in politics. I had been quite um, disappointed for many, many years, and that's not to say that I still not disgusted with most of what goes on in politics, but I believe and I choose to believe that one person can make a difference. One man can stand in the gap. <clears throat> now we'll tell you that one man standing in the gap can be blown over by artillery or tanks, but if I can just convince one or two more people to come along for the ride, and those people can convince one or two more people to come along for the ride, 
we can make that difference. We can affect change. We can get an outcome that is appropriate. So, without further ado, last week I was in Houston, Texas. I got down there on Monday and I spent all day until like 11 o'clock. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, working on platform. Now, I had the pleasure, the privilege, and the duty to serve on two subcommittees. They were constitutional issues and state affairs. Now, one of the things that I want to make clear is I came out of my Senate district as the representative of my Senate district. So, in all votes, it was my duty to uphold what SD8 supported. So that meant a couple of times I had to vote in a way differently or support something that I personally don't uh, favor. One of those times was Convention of States. And I know I've touched on that before and we will return to that in the future. There were a couple other things that it was where I'm not 100% sure one way or the other where I personally stand on But again, Senate District 8, they're quite clear. So that was my default answer. If I'm I'm, uh, even the slightest bit unsure, I I default to uh, what Senate District 8 wants. And in the areas where I disagree, if it's a matter that doesn't violate our principles, I follow what SD8 wants. So... What did we do? Well, let me tell you. The big takeaway, the big, big takeaway. We amended a lot of things. One of them was in the principles themselves. This would be principle number three. Preserving individual Texan and American sovereignty and freedom. That is supposed to be one of the main principles behind the Republican Party of Texas. There's a couple other ones here that are uh, directly related, um, including self-sufficient families founded on traditional marriage of a natural man and natural woman. Now, if I were to read through all of these, you'd get the drift that most of this should be just understood, that there shouldn't be any thing involved with having to lay this out, but in today's day and age and the clown world that we live in, it has to be spelled out. So I've decided that now that I'm back in the saddle and I propose to you, I'm going to be able to do probably three episodes a week for the foreseeable future that I am going to devote the majority of my time going through the platform. This is for two reasons. One, so that I can actually tell you what the platform says. Two, so that I can tell you what my little twist or thought process is on that specific platform plank. And three, so that you have some semblance of what makes the Republican Party of Texas tick, as well as where does uh, old Mr. Callis here deviate from what's going on here. So, without further ado, the biggest... Success. The one thing that I am most proud of. Now, and I want to preface this because 
all the pro-life language was already there. We tweaked a little here, a little there, but it was already there. And there were everybody and their brothers pro-life, particularly if you put an R after your name or you claim to be conservative. So that's all there. I'm not disparaging that. And we will cover that in length later on. But the biggest, the biggest thing that's even slightly controversial, I don't think it should be, but it is. And uh, I guess let me pause here. I know many, many times I have referred to the big three in my thought process. There's actually a fourth, but I've set him aside at the moment because I don't want to clutter people's minds. I want to stick strictly on governmental, historical, economic, and political views on things, right? So we've got Chris Ann Hall, Tom Woods, and Brian McClanahan. And what's interesting still beyond all of that is the great Ron Paul. So without Ron Paul, Stephen Callis involved in politics would not be the Stephen Callis that you see in here today or yesterday or tomorrow. Those big three that I refer to, that would be, again, Chris Ann Hall, Tom Woods, and Brian McClanahan, all have just a slightly different flavor. Just a a little bit of uh, distinguishing characteristics among themselves that promote good thought, questioning what you're seeing, and quite frankly, giving you... Well, that's another show, but I don't listen to that one. Uh, the ability to think on your own and come up with your own conclusion. So, now that I've reiterated that, and you know that all three of those people talk about nullification, all three of those people refer to delegated powers to the federal government, all three of those people also talk about uh, powers not delegated are retained. So, in that, we say... Plank number 33 under state sovereignty. Pursuant to Article 1, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution, the federal government has impaired our right of local self-government. Therefore, federally mandated legislation that infringes upon the Tenth Amendment rights of Texas should be ignored, opposed, refused, and nullified. Texas retains the right to secede from the United States and the Texas legislature should be called upon to pass a referendum consistent thereto. Now, I don't get to take all the credit for this particular plank. Mr. Bird, you are the word and you were very, very helpful in everything that I that I touched in both of these subcommittees. And I was pleased to work with you. And my gosh. This, this is one of those guys that can make a legitimate claim to being the smartest man in the room. Now, we had two other guys that might challenge him for that, but I was very, very comfortable with deferring to his uh, mindset on these things. But we were very much on the same wavelength on almost everything we dealt with. So, state sovereignty. We have now laid out that we have the power as the state of Texas. So, that that's... In one place. Now, for those of you uh, Convention of uh, States folks, that is still in uh, plank number 37. We didn't touch it, respectfully. Uh, Don't know that I want to go down that path, but 
It could be just as interesting as independence. That being said, all methods to reduce government overreach and to roll back abuses, I'll listen to you. Well, we need to work together. So, uh, 100% comfortable with that. All right, we're going to go on to uh, the second place. Now, I will point out that there is... a number of things that are in here that I wouldn't call them contradictory, but are um, something that require them to coexist, right? There's uh, two different things in here that directly talk about what is essentially a uh, electoral college of sorts on the constitutional Republic. All amendments were telling them we want for the majority of voters in at least 191 counties. That's three quarters before passing a constitutional amendment. I think that's great. We got another one for a state electoral college. State legislature shall cause to be enacted a state constitutional amendment creating an electoral college consisting of electors selected by popular votes within each individual state senatorial district. Now this one here, I don't recall if this passed or not or if it got amended to be... um, counties. But again, those people then elect the statewide office holders. So the governor just doesn't get to carry the four big cities and blow off the rest of the state. There's some extra work there that's involved. And again, these are underlying what the idea of balance of power of pushing people back, right? And I will say that Somebody actually forwarded that to Mr. Brian McClanahan, and he was quite surprised and happy that we pulled that off. And he did reference our uh, wording for the uh, Texas independence. So I'm uh, blowing through here. I want to. Re- I th- I think there's one more mention uh, of our uh, state independence, but I'm going to jump ahead under the uh, state affairs issues. That would be plank two two four. Texas Independence. We urge the Texas legislature to pass a bill in its next session requiring a referendum in the 2023 general election for the people of Texas to determine whether or not the state of Texas should reassure, or I'm sorry, reassert its status as an independent nation. Now I want you to think about this. We, the people, have now told the Texas State Republican Party we want to see these things. Now, Got to take a pause here because we don't actually have the results of the plank-by-plank balloting just yet. But I will tell you, it's highly unlikely it didn't pass. As a matter of fact, I do recall, I want to say it was 2014, it might be 2016, uh, which was up here in the Metroplex of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. We had a voice vote on this very issue, and to this day I'm convinced we won the voice vote But the then chairman overruled us, sent us down, and because we're good people, we let it go. Now, perhaps that wasn't the best choice. Perhaps that's not what was ideal, but you live to fight another day. I'm going to pause here for just a second. I guess my pause didn't work. Well, be that as it may. 
the right of the people. The right of the people. We always talk about that. Unfortunately, most of the time, it's just words. It's meaningless banter. It means nothing to anybody anywhere because they just want to keep us pacified. I'm going to tell you, this is the first step of pushing back. This is the first step letting, first of all, the federal government and I guess secondarily, the state government know that we, the people, we're tired of it. We're tired of our rights being abused. We're we're tired of there being no way to be heard. Now, this this went to a vote, both planks, actually. And if by some reason they should be voted down by the uh, Texas Republican Party convention, well, one, after I got over my shock, uh, I'd have to figure out what the next step is. But I will tell you, this is a continuing educational program. Now, the uh, Texas Nationalist Movement, led by Daniel Miller and, I guess, Nate Smith, they do a great job of educating people. They travel over the entire state talking about how we have the ability to do this. And just because the federal government came in and disabused us once before just because the federal government once subjugated us just because the federal government once created a military dictatorship just because the federal government once manipulated scotus to come up with an opinion that clearly is contradictory doesn't mean that they have the power the ability or the will to do it again now i gotta be honest This is not without some concern. I mean, Brexit did go off peacefully, but they're still not fully detached. I'm confident that at some point Texas could do it and we would have our Texit and it would be peacefully because I don't believe either side really believes that holding somebody together that doesn't want to be together is going to end well. Think about all your friends or acquaintances, or family members that have gone through a divorce. Now, yes, you want them to reconcile. You want them to do what's best for their family and for their children. In fact, you want to obey God and not get divorced in the whole place. But if one of those parties is abusive, if one of those parties is smothering the other, if one of those parties is, quite frankly, just not worthy of being married to, you have no other choice. You have to separate. And in this analogy, Texas is... The one being abused. Now I know, I and I've heard this before, you know, if you've watched the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson, he talks about why would I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants a mile away? And that's a good point. That's something to be concerned about. You know, sure, we toss DC, but then we got to deal with Austin. But here's the thing. Austin's a whole lot closer. Austin has to be a little bit more receptive to somebody that's two hours down the road. Austin will be more responsive, particularly when we obtain our independence because those people are going to have to face this down all the time and they have no ability to point at the federal government and blame them. They have no way to escape the responsibilities of which they've taken upon themselves. And maybe at that time we have to consider... God forbid, a full-time legislature, or at least a biannual 
full-time legislature. You work for one week on the legislature, I'm sorry, not one week, one year on the legislature and the other year you're back home in your district. I'm not sure how it would work. And maybe that's something we need to consider because people have to be receptive. But ideally, and here's the Ron Paul coming out, if you get government out of people's lives, people will figure it out. They will do just fine. They will adapt. We don't need big brother, big sister to come along and tell us how to live our lives. Yet, there are certain segments of our society that do feel that way. And I would highly encourage them. Go to New Mexico. Go to California. Go to New Jersey, go to New York, go to Illinois, go to Portland, Oregon, not Portland, Maine. I think Maine's still redeemable. Portland, Oregon, and God forbid you should hate it here. There's always Washington, the state, if you don't want to go to Washington, D.C. Now, while we're at it, at the convention, the one book that I purchased, the one thing I did, I found a guy by the name of Scott Winston Dragland. I didn't really get a chance to talk to him very long, but apparently he's written a book. It's called Let My People Go. And now apparently he's written one book previous to this. This one uh, looks like it's a couple hundred pages long. I got to be honest, the pages probably look like they're 30% bigger than they absolutely need to be. So let's call it a respectable novel length size. It is my plan to read that in the next month or so. I will report on my findings. I will let you know where we're at. But going forward, priority number one, reestablish a regular schedule. So going forward, my plan is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, obviously, life happens. So the backup plan would be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Or Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the backup plan. So three episodes going forward. Part two, I will still be doing a little, hmm, let's call it extra work travel. So there will be times where it is sporadic or I might have to line up a few before I go, but I'll work it out. I'm making a commitment. That commitment is go through the entirety of the Texas Republican Party's planks. I think that you, my listeners, might be curious as to what they actually are and you might be the slightest bit interested in what I think about them or what I think we could do differently or improve it. And I got to tell you, the convention as a whole, probably an 8 out of a 10. The platform out of a whole, I'd probably give it about an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10. I'm really happy with what happened. I would say this. The one thing that would have made this convention a 10 out of 10 is if Ron Paul would have been brought in. The guy lives 30 miles up the road. That would have been awesome. Now, I will tell you, two years from now, we're going to be in San Antonio. For those of you that don't know, that is home of the Alamo. At least what's left of it after George P. and his boys kind of did a number on it. But the Alamo is still there. The Cenotaph in in a memorandum to the people that gave their lives, is still there. How fitting would it be to read the results of the referendum on whether or not people want independence when we are at the 2024 Republican Party State Convention? And you know what? Just, I mean, if we're going to go for... The bleachers here. Swing for the seats, guys. 
Bring her on, Paul. The one guy who has put liberty first above all else. The one guy that has been principled in everything he's done. The one best congressman that we have. Now, there are others. There's a few that are close. They're close. I mean, I, I know Thomas Massey's a rock star. I, I know Louis Gohmert's very solid. I mean, even Justin Amash was much better than average. But after that, what do we have? What have we had since Ron Paul has retired? There's people in there. There are people that are working that we just don't know their names. In the Senate, well, you know. I don't know what to tell you. We're in the process of being sold out by 10 guys. 10 people, including Susan Collins. Strangely, Murkowski is not involved this time. But 10 senators that feel that they can cut a deal upending the entirety of our protections and recognitions of our pre-existing right to keep and bear arms under the guise of mental health, under the guise of red flags. And for those of you that don't remember, I'll kindly remind you. So we've got red flag Dan Crenshaw down by Houston. And then we've got Big John, who apparently we're going to have to call Big Red now. Not to be confused with Big Red, either the gum or, I don't know, the commies. But how about Big Red Flag, John? Big Red John? I don't know. We'll come up with something. Talk about a disappointment. I mean, he's selling us out, and oh, apparently now he's all for full-on amnesty. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That's the best Gomer pile I'm going to give you. My suggestion, we need to think about Since we gave him such a lovely greeting at the convention, perhaps we ought to look at what do we need to do to recall his sorry button. Because a censure is not going to be enough at this time, folks. By the time we can roll through some censures, he will have already done all the damage. But if we start moving forward a recall, maybe, just maybe, he'll give it a second thought. Maybe, just maybe, he'll decide he would much rather stay a U.S. Senator and not be the poster boy for um, big government Republicans. Uh, Maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but we got to try. We got to make the most of this folks. And while we're at it, I get why Greg Abbott wouldn't show up. I'm disappointed. I expected more from the guy that, you know, has been a governor forever and now wants to be president. I I thought he'd show a little more backbone than this. I mean, I'm not as big a fan. I mean, y'all recall I was anybody but Abbott, and I really liked Huffines, but the poll, the election, says that uh, both he and Lieutenant Dan got more than 63% of the vote of the Republican primary, of which I have a very hard time believing. But for the sake of argument, let's just say it was the safest, most clean election ever. If he's got 63% of the Republican voters, or better, why wouldn't he be at our convention? What is he afraid of? Just a couple thoughts. Well, gentlemen, ladies, I'm going to wrap this up. I've got almost 30 minutes in. This is the return back of According to Callus. And honestly, I don't even remember what episode this has been. Let's call it 214, episode 214. 
Uh, we're back. I mean, the uh, primaries are over. The runoffs are over. The uh, SCOTUS is starting to release what their opinions are on things. Um, the pandemonium's in place with our government and our economy. And hey, who would have ever thought that we would see some of the things happening that we're seeing right now? But we'll have time to talk about all those things and how they directly relate to the Texas State Republican Party platform. Join me again coming up this week on According to Callus. Until then, please share, like, tell your friends, and comment. Help me out, guys. Have a great day, and I will see you on the other side.